This is your Tech Report. Welcome back to your Tech Report. Mitchell Whitfield and Mark Aflalo with you each and every single week. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for following us on all our social media at your Tech Report, including the podcast version of this show. My next guest is the editorial director at a company and a website I think you might be familiar with, and that is CNET, Dan Ackerman. Welcome to your Tech Report. Thank you for joining me. Good to be here. Thanks. Dan, you know, the premise of uh, obviously talking to you this week is about some pretty cool stuff that you guys are doing behind the scenes in terms of uh, an extension to browsers, which we're going to get to. But uh, I have you on the show, so we got to take advantage of the world and what's going on, you know, around us. I was saying on a, on a radio show earlier this morning that, you know, it's kind of like the calm before the storm. Like you go to, you know, go to go to websites, go to CNET, and there's not a lot of new stuff happening, a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes. That, that's normal this time of year, right? Summer kind of people are leaving their offices and going, we'll do the dirty work in a couple of weeks, right? There's always kind of a summer lull. You do have the back to school season where everyone wants to buy a new laptop for high school or college or whatever. But everybody knows, even if they haven't said it yet, that in September, there's going to be a new iPhone. And, you know, in August, there's probably going to be some Samsung stuff. And then you get into the holiday season, all the big video game releases and things people want to get out under the wire before like Black Friday. Uh, so summertime is kind of that dividing line between the first part of the year and the second part of the year where things really ramp up. And then you've been covering the tech space for, for a very long time. And uh, I'm curious to get your take. You know, we've heard all this chip shortages and supply lines and, you know, all kind of tied into COVID and the pandemic. Are we getting out of this yet? Are we, are we seeing the end of the tunnel here? Because I don't feel it it's yet. It's so interesting because over the last, what, two and a half years, we've definitely been constrained by these chip shortages, by logistical problems, getting things on a boat and taking them from one place to another place. And just as we start to clear some of that up, then we get hit with this inflationary cycle yeah. where prices are going up, not because things are in super short supply or you can't get the part for it, but just because the prices of everything are, is going up. So we're moving out of one problem into another problem. Uh, and definitely as consumers of technology, uh, you know, in consumer electronics, uh, it's not great for us. Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of kind of sucky because we're waiting for new products. We're trying to get them on our shelves and. And it's hard. You know, you, you talked about, you know, the computer space and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, people talk a lot about Apple. They talk about the new M2 chip. And and you got to look at the flip side for a second. and got to look at the PC side of things. You know, we hear a lot about Apple and a lot what they're doing with their own silicon and stuff. Intel's trying to catch up with the Evo line here and, and with their own kind of back end. Are they, are they making headway do you think are we are, are we we're always going to have the diehard pc versus mac that's that that's that's you know it's always going to be there but let's take apple out of the equation for a second is intel and amd for that matter are they creeping up to where apple is because it seems like apple had this big head start well, it's, you know, before whatever it was two years ago, Macs ran Intel chips and they did that for the 10 or 11 or 12 years preceding that. Uh, when the new MacBook Air was announced, I went back and said, let me look at the review on CNET of the original MacBook yeah. Air, the first one that came out in like 2008, which was one of the first. It wasn't the first, but it was one of the first Macs with an Intel chip. They moved away from the PowerPC chips yeah. they had before. They kind of went proprietary, Intel then back to proprietary. So I went and looked back at that original MacBook Air review, and I said, oh, who wrote this? It turns out it was me. I had no memory <laughs> of this because it was so long ago. Uh, but it was kind of the mainstreaming of the Mac that was beginning. And now all this time later, for years, I thought Apple would not ditch Intel. It was too 
you know, the products, the Intel products were too mature, too mainstream. They worked with everything. You didn't have to worry about it. Uh, Then slightly to my surprise, they actually pulled the trigger and went through with it. The nice thing is they did it in a way that's reasonably transparent, that as a user, you're not going to notice that much of a difference. I'm going to tell you, if you buy an XPS 13 from Dell or an HP laptop or a MacBook, what chip is in it is not really going to impact your life that much unless you're in a super specialty field like editing video or high-end gaming stuff. For the regular user, it's very transparent, which it should be. You know, what do you do? You web browse, you do Zoom yeah, meetings, exactly. uh, you, you know, online shopping, email, watching movies and videos, all that stuff is the same whatever platform you're on. The computers have really become so browser-focused and online tool-focused and cloud-based that the actual hardware you're on matters a lot less. Where Apple, I think, still has a big advantage is their hardware just looks and feels great. They do the Now they do the OS, the chip, and the physical design of the product. So they can get everything to work together, and yet can't beat that trackpad on the MacBook. You just can't. There's nothing, there's nothing better than that, and the multi-finger gestures and everything. Uh, the big weak link in those has always been the camera, which yeah. I didn't care about until COVID. Then all of a sudden, I cared <laughs> about the camera a lot. Uh, and MacBook cameras have always been awful. Uh, they're 720 cameras, uh, low-resolution cameras. Now... The newer MacBooks are finally upgrading to 1080 cameras. The 16-inch Pro, the 14-inch Pro, the new Air, not the new 13-inch Pro. And that makes a huge difference. uh, And that closes the gap there. But there's people who are just, they're not going to use an Apple product. They don't like Mac OS. They need to do Windows only stuff. And that's really tied in, you know, to that Windows, Intel, sometimes AMD infrastructure. So there's always going to be an audience there. But then on the other end, uh, Chromebooks are nipping in on that and they can run a variety of different chips too. And they work totally differently. And yet you're still in the browser. So it's also kind of the same. Yeah, no, it's just we're we're relying actually more on uh, evolution in terms of internet connectivity, really, than chips. At the end of the day, I don't. I know you're based in New York. I'm in Montreal. A couple of weeks ago, I'm sure you heard about this, but Rogers, one of our three major carriers, had a a pretty bad outage. And in in where I live in Montreal, it was really just affected wireless. But in other parts of Canada, it affected wireline internet, and it really brought up the question about the reliance we have on our carriers. I'm curious, you know, what you've been hearing from your side of things in the U.S. about that outage. Was it as significant as they're making it out to be across the border? Because it was a pretty big deal here. I feel like it was definitely a bigger deal for you than it was for us down here. I did hear about it, uh, but we didn't spend a ton of time thinking about it. However, when there is an outage here, uh, that's always a huge deal. We have probably more carrier options and yeah, more yeah, home definitely. internet options uh, than you do. But I also spend part of my time in Vermont where I have no options. I have one option, uh, one wired option and one like satellite option, which is ancient. Uh, they're building out uh, some you know gigabit uh, internet, uh, uh, public service sort of stuff nearby, but it stops one town over. It hasn't come over to me uh, in, in Vermont yet. But you hit the nail exactly on the head. Hardware is great, but you know, a cheap phone works really well. An expensive phone works really well. A cheap laptop works pretty well. An expensive laptop works pretty well. If you don't have the signal to connect it to stuff, then it's a paperweight. We've, we've moved away from the offline device world. Everything is so dependent on this. So much processing happens in the cloud. I was using Photoshop the other day and they have a bunch of new filters and stuff in it that actually don't happen locally. It it's experimental. The they send them up to a cloud somewhere to do the processing and send the results back to you. Uh, to say nothing of cloud gaming, which will eventually be gaming, uh, but 
you know, 10 years ago, I said, oh, it's going to be in five years. And five years ago, I said, oh, it's going to be in five years. And last year, I said, oh, it's going to be in five years. So it'll happen eventually. Uh, has definitely not happened as quickly as I imagined it might maybe 10 or 11 years ago. I wonder what you think is going to come in five years from now. But that's, a st- I think, a story for another day. Cloud gaming. Yeah, cloud gaming. Uh, talk, talk to me about this uh, this browser extension from CNET, because you guys are really, I mean, when you think of CNET, all you think about is tech, is gadgets, it's computers, it's everything. So this seems like a natural product to release that really differs from the competition out there because if you think about you know services like honey it relies on coupon codes and that's a very different thing than what you guys are offering so tell us all about it and who it's meant for yeah there's a cnet shopping extension now it's a chrome extension and it really speaks to something that i've always found very important during all my years at cnet which i'm almost afraid to tell you is i think 17 years uh the big focus is on reviewing products giving you advice on what to buy uh, helping you spend your money wisely my unofficial motto has always been if you read something that me or my team writes uh it's usually going to be very advice focused or testing focused or just telling you what to do i want you to feel like i'm taking your money as serious as you do. And if you're spending $1,000 on a laptop, $2,000, or you only have $500 to spend on a laptop, that's a big deal for you. I want to make sure if you take my advice, you don't feel like you got bad advice. You feel like you definitely made a smart choice. Now, a big part of that is finding the best price on things. And I've always counseled everyone to do a lot of comparison shopping because there are so many people in the game now. If you want to get a MacBook, frankly, buying it from Apple is usually not the best place to yeah. get it from. You can usually get a hundred bucks off most of the time from like Best Buy, sometimes Amazon, sometimes Target. I go to Costco the and you can return you know, all 90 the time. days to return and you know, so many different yeah. benefits, yeah. Costco, I got my Costco membership originally uh, when my TV died and I got a new TV. I'm like, I'm just gonna go to Costco, buy the membership right there, get the TV, put it in a you know car service car and take it home. And I don't know how many years ago that was, but the return policy was what made me do that. So um, I always like, you know, honey is great for coupon codes. I always love and always suggest uh, camel, 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 which I'm sure you know for Amazon price history, especially during Prime Day to see if something, you know, has been at a lower price in the past or if they raise the price just to give it a Prime Day sale. And then the CNET shopping extension uh, goes, if you're looking at something on Amazon or Target or something, it'll pop up prices of the same product from a bunch of different stores and tell you if it's cheaper somewhere else. Then you have to go do a little bit of homework, make sure it's exactly the right same configuration, if there are any other deals involved, what the return policy is. But that takes a lot of the legwork out of comparison shopping, uh, which frankly is still super important to do, even if you're buying something from a company like Apple that has their own stores, because that's not always the best deal for you. What I've always liked about CNET, to, to be very blunt, has been the the non-biased opinion when reading a review. It really is. It's not about, oh, you, you don't get the feeling that the person writing a review favors one or the other. They really give you that unbiased kind of point of view, and that's always extremely helpful, especially for people who don't know what they're looking for. You know, someone who's not really sure they can they can read a review. They can get down to the nitty gritty right at the top. They can see exactly what you guys think about the pros and cons. And then when you when you go deeper into it, you definitely get a good a good comparison. And as you said, price, you know, comparing not only prices, but comparing, you know, products is a really hard thing for somebody to do. I try to do this for people all the time, try to give them opinion. It ends up being like an hour long endeavor just to get what do you what's your use case? So I'm guessing this takes advantage of all those data points that you guys have been collecting and building over all these years into this extension, right? You know, it really 
pulls into a lot of that because we tell you what you should buy and then we give you some options of stores to go to and then you can check out those stores and then get price comparisons right from that page. But I really appreciate what you said about our unbiased reviews and how in-depth they are, but also how not overly techy they yeah. are. If somebody starts reading a review on our site and we're talking about motherboards right away, then somebody's done it wrong. Yeah. We can get into that stuff later on if you want to read all the way down to the bottom. We do a lot of uh, benchmark testing. We are one of the only people who still has the facilities and the and the lab staff to take products and put them through, you know, actual benchmark testing and report all the scores and put them in charts so you can compare them. But when I write a review, I put that at the end. That's like in the footnotes. It's there so you know we did the homework and, you know, you can trust what we're saying. If you want to see it yourself, it's down there at the bottom. But I don't expect you as a casual, you know, computer shopper or something to go all the way down and look at the charts and really you know, go over them. I just want you to know that I did it so you know that I'm looking out for you. Yeah, when people ask me, uh, you know, and they start asking me benchmarks. I'm like, you're going a little bit too detailed. Tell me what you're using this device for and we'll get to the nitty gritty of what's important to you because I don't think People even know that sometimes. Now, now you've been you've been covering you know computers and, and gaming for for a very long time. What are the trends you think in the in the coming months as we head into this holiday season? What you know every year I I, I use this example CES. There's always it's a year of something, right? In the past couple of years, it's been really IoT, really smart home driven. I think. What do you think we're looking forward to over the next, if you were to prognosticate for the next couple of years? I won't hold you to it, so don't feel like you're going to have to come back in, in six months and defend yourself. But I'm just curious from your opinion, because you've got you've got a lot of experience there. I've made many bad predictions about this over the years. <laughs> I remember several years ago, I was on like CNBC or something, and I said, oh, this year, whatever it was, 2015, 2016, this is going to be the year of the 3D printer. Everyone's going to get a 3D printer yeah. at home. They're easy enough to use now. You can make tons of useful gadgets with it. That, of course, was completely wrong, although I'm still a big fan of 3D printing and maker culture. You know, I think we're going to see a push to take – what's the single most important device out there? It's frankly your phone, which yeah. is not even really a phone. It's a portable computer device. But let's be honest, we've hit a plateau yeah. in terms of design and usability. What are they going to do? Make the, the screen a little bit bigger, make it a little bit thinner, make the camera a little bit better. It's still the same slab. It's the same slab as it was before. It's going to be the same slab. What do you do? Some people have experimented with folding screen technology. Yeah. And we've even seen some laptops uh, do that in a very experimental way. I'm really excited about it. I think it really is a game changer, but it's probably a few years out still. Once Apple starts to pick up on it, then you know they let everyone else perfect the technology first. Yeah, let, and them then the they do let them make the mistakes. Let them make the you know make the mistakes, and they'll come. Like, out that's with why that they stands. had five G after everybody yeah. else. That's why they had uh, you know facial recognition after everybody else. So I think you'll see people try to push into new forms and shapes and functionality to try to get past this plateau. Because if you have an iPhone. 11 or 12, it looks really the same as the yeah. iPhone 13. So you don't really feel like you need to get a new one. Uh, you know, I think in gaming, we're going to see an increasing push away from the hardware you have being important and the cloud-based services uh, are become more important. Look at PlayStation Plus. They just launched a new version of their subscription model. And that's the whole thing with the console. You spend $500 on a console, but that's kind of the end of your commercial relationship with the company unless you're buying games all the yeah. time. So they said, oh, Let's take stuff you need and put it behind a paywall. So give me 10 bucks a month to get online gaming and a couple of you know extra games and stuff. 
PlayStation Plus relaunched and it incorporated their cloud gaming service that used to be called PlayStation Now. Uh, so they're they're leaning into that in a big way. And Microsoft, in a much bigger way, a big part of Xbox Game Pass is cloud gaming. And that one you can you know do on your phone, on your tablet, on your Chromebook, on your MacBook. It's browser-based. And it's not as good as being there in front of the machine with the software you know downloaded and installed, but it's getting pretty good. It's getting there. And once I think we have reliable enough super speed internet, which frankly, you know, here in our part of the world, the infrastructure is actually really old and not great. And uh, we do need to do some more work on that. But I think that is going to continue to push uh, the fact that our machines in front of us become sort of dumb clients and everything happens in the cloud. Look back what happened when Netflix said they were going to stop putting DVDs in the mail and start streaming movies. Everybody said, you can't Crazy. stream a whole movie and not have it like stutter or not have it be, you know, low resolution. Uh, it's it's never going to work. And it took them a year or so. But now you could scream 4K HDR video all day long and, and it's not a problem. So the gaming will get there. And that means that the PlayStation 6 will be like a little box this big with yeah, an exactly. internet connection and no hardware required. And maybe you'll actually be able to buy one. You won't have to wait two years for them to come well, back. Or you stock. won't care. You won't even care about it because it'll be, you know, the chip will be built into your phone as part of the It'll be built into your TV. Yeah, they just started putting some, uh, I think, Xbox uh, services built directly into some Samsung TVs. That's insane. It's insane. You think they see the writing on the wall here that the hardware side isn't as important and they're just really, it's about making us buy into the model of this cloud gaming more than I, i'm actually surprised by the way and i'm gonna go a little tangent for a second that some of these companies like the sony's and the and the microsoft's of the world haven't gone deeper into the telecom side you know there is some cross-pollination like there are companies that overlap it a bit but you'd think they'd have a bigger push towards the telecom saying get your infrastructure in place here here we'll give you a couple billion dollars we've got it lying around in the coffers we'll help this so that you can help our agenda why hasn't that happened you think it's so interesting because the hardware business is such a tough business. It's capital intensive. One failure and you're in big trouble. And, uh, you know, it's hard to crawl back from that. Meanwhile, the software and services business is, is you know, if you do it right, it's all profit. You know, you don't have any physical items to put in a box on a boat and take somewhere and then put in a truck and put on a on, on a store shelf. Uh, it's interesting that some companies can work well in some areas and not others. I mean, Sony made phones for a long time. They still, I think they still kind of do, but you don't really hear about them. Microsoft tried to make phones many times. They bought a phone. I think they bought Nokia. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, nobody thinks about Microsoft it. phones. <laughs> Remember, there was a Windows phone operating system. Uh, that, you know, everybody forgot about. Uh, Facebook tried to make a phone. So, you know, the hardware business is really hard. And that's why everybody wants to be in the subscription software and service model business because it's recurring revenue. You have to actively cancel it. Even if you get like, even if you use like Photoshop and Premiere and Adobe stuff now, it's all subscription based. Microsoft Office is subscription based. Everything, you know, you don't buy software or services outright anymore. You just subscribe to them. So you're always giving these guys some money. And I think they've got addicted to that. And I can't imagine they're going to get away from that anytime soon. It's not necessarily the best model for us, however. Yeah, no, totally. Dan, uh, thank you for giving me your time. Uh, again, if people want to go out and get that CNET shopping uh, plug-in, where do they go? Uh, they can just go to CNET.com and uh, install it right from there. Amazing. Thank you so much for taking your time. Come back on in a couple months. Let's, let's catch up when some more products are announced as we lead into the holiday season. I'd love to have you back on. 
You bet, anytime. Dan Ackerman from CNET. Check out CNET.com for all the reviews and comparisons as well. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of Your Tech Report. I am Mark Aflalo with Mitchell Whitfield. Do get in touch with us. It is at Your Tech Report on all your social media. We will catch you again on our next episode. Thanks for being here. You've been tuned in to Your Tech Report. Join us again next week for another edition. And be sure to follow Your Tech Report online. Email us, contact at yourtechreport.com. Follow us on Twitter at Your Tech Report. Like us on facebook.com slash yourtechreport. For the latest in breaking tech news and reviews, yourtechreport.com. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.